welcome to the a podcast about three Chicago college students and our love of one bean in particular. My name is Maddie. My name is Carly. And my name is Isabel. And today we're going to be talking about some myths. Um, so we all watched some like TED Ed videos um, on three different myths. And we're going to kind of just chat because we don't really have anything else to talk about in quarantine. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we have three myths that we're going to talk about today. And the first one is called Isis and the Seven Scorpions. And it is from like um, Egyptian mythology. Um, so a quick summary of the story is that so a woman who's like in rags and has a small baby, like appears from the river with like seven scorpions or, or like appears from the swamp. And, like, she has no food, so she goes around the town that she has appeared in and, like, is begging for food. So first she goes to, like, the house of a rich woman, and the rich woman just, like, slams the door in her face. Um, but then she goes to a cottage, and the woman there offers her, like, food and a bed. Now, plot twist, the woman is actually the goddess Isis. And Isis Whoa. is hiding from her... <laughs> yeah, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. Isis is hiding from her brother, Set, who wants to murder her and her son, whose name is Horus. Um, so she can't, like, reveal herself. Um, and the seven scorpions that, she with, that she's with are guarding her. Um, and the scorpions were super mad at the really wealthy woman because they were like, how dare she slam the door in Isis's face? So they made a plan to combine all their venom into one scorpion who like crept into the mansion and bit the wealthy woman's young son. So the wealthy woman finds out and it starts, begins like screaming and running through the streets with her child. And Isis hears what's going on and she comes out of the cottage and immediately she knows that it's the scorpions. Um, and so Isis uses her magical goddess powers to recite a spell and one by one neutralize all seven of the scorpion's venoms. And the rich woman in return realizes that it's the goddess Isis and offers Isis all of her wealth. Um, and the cottage woman also is like astounded that the woman in rags that she's been taking care of is the goddess Isis. Um, and nowadays, maybe nowadays, I'm not sure how many people still do this, but um, basically now, um, people, when in order to treat scorpion bites, um, speak incantations just as Isis did in order to save the child. Very cool. So interesting. There's lots of like mythy things happening that I noticed. So, for example, like disguise and then being revealed, I think, is a big thing that happens in myths. Yeah. yeah. Or just, like folklore. Also, like, the idea of like um not just like gods disguising themselves but like disguising themselves as like poor people and like going and asking for help or something like I know that happens yeah. a lot in Greek myth mm -hmm. just to like see how people are like acting yeah they're like, like hospitable towards yeah the people yeah it's um like a test of morality I guess and because it shows up in so many myths, I assume it's just, it's supposed to be like a reminder that we all need to be good people to everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought like something that was interesting with this one was that like, it seems like in a lot of other myths, like there'll be like a punishment if you like deny the God, like the, um, 
like whatever they're asking for, like food or shelter or whatever. But in this one, there like was a punishment, but then the God actually had mercy on the wealthy woman and then like healed her son, even though like at the risk of like her using her magic and maybe being exposed to her brother who is like trying to murder her. And that the punishment didn't actually come from her, it came from like the mm-hmm. scorpions acting on their own kind of vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's also interesting how like the myth then just ends. So like you don't, maybe there's a follow-up story but i don't know like what happens to isis after that or her son or like the cottage woman or the rich woman yeah mm-hmm. yeah but that may think, just be like oh you go. i think it was also like interesting how like she was only like repenting after she found out she was isis so was she actually sorry for just turning someone away or was she only sorry because she was a goddess and she saved her son. That's something interesting. Like it probably was because she I'm saved like, her son. It probably. Like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he would be pretty, yeah, thankful of that. Yeah, and I wonder if she'll like, like is she going to be changed for the future situations? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also, I think, interesting. And I think this is true for many myths of this, like, I guess, type where, um, like, the wealthy woman is, like, the one who turns ISIS away. So it's usually, like, people in power or who have, like, money or status that, I guess, get, like, duped in these myths um, and then have to realize their mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, theoretically, she should be, like, have plenty of wealth in order to share some of it. But then, like, the poor woman is the one that actually ended up helping her, even though she didn't have much to give. She still, like, gave what she had. Yeah, and maybe that is related to, like, who is telling the myth. So, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know the historical context of this myth, but I assume that, like, oral traditions a lot of times probably passed through, like, like, lower class people. Or like, I think it would be you know, probably everybody. It's like an upper class person could probably have like a bard or someone telling the story in their like household. That's true. But I think it's also interesting. Like we as humans, like want we like stories of like big change. So like the highest people brought low. Mm-hmm. So it's like also that we like to see like people fall. Like, but like it's like more interesting. Yeah, when it's like either like the lowest person becoming high and like very valiant or like the highest person like falling i do think like generally we we like an underdog story like Mm -hmm. i was reading a book about um how obama came to be elected because he was super like underdog like nobody thought he could win and and like part of what they did was they like played up the underdog story and that made people want to like him a lot more. And I think that's a similar thing with like the elections. I mean, this is not the only reason people like Bernie, but it's like Bernie versus the establishment. You know, it's like the establishment Democrats are working against him. Right. Um, but people like the underdog or someone who that who they think isn't. Like, or like the outsider, like Trump. I mean, he played into like yeah. the outsider role in the 2016 election. Yeah. And same thing, like the Republican establishment was not, they weren't Trump and they were not associated with <laughs> Trump. But yeah. people liked Trump better than this like big establishment that can be viewed as very like powerful and like have like status and wealth and all of that. Yeah. 
we can move on to my myth. Um, so this is the myth of Arachne. Okay, so there's this woman, Arachne, and she's really good at weaving. Um, and so she starts weaving and all these people like come in to watch her weave because she's just so good at it. Um, but be she becomes very boastful and like prideful. So she starts bragging about being better than the gods. Um, and then one day this old lady comes in and basically like publicly humiliates her and says she shouldn't be boasting like this. Um, and that person turned out to be Athena, who then like <laughs> challenged her to like a weave off. So then they were weaving. <laughs> And, um, you know, Athena's doing her thing, Arachne's doing her thing, and then they both are finished, and Arachne's is a, or I'll start with Athena's. Athena's is, like, this, like, scene of the gods um, doing great things, like, I don't know, whatever gods do that is exciting. <laughs> um, and Arachne's are all these, like, scenes of, like, the corruption of the gods. Um, like gods raping women or like basically treating mortals like trash um and um but arachnes is a better like i don't know quilt loom woven thing and so she wins but athena can't handle that um and despises her for like both winning and for like just respecting the god's power and turns her into a spider so she can weave throughout eternity the little webs. So yeah, that's the myth of Arachne. Um, so I think oh, I picked this myth is I'm reading this book of short stories, which are basically retellings of Ovid's Metamorphoses. Um, so like it talks a lot about, especially about like the role of women and like these retellings are often from the women's point of view because there are a lot of stories of like women becoming these things, like in some cases to like avoid like sexual violation from the gods. Or after like something like that, like there was this one. Um, I won't go into it, but there was it was an interesting one because it wasn't necessarily like about sexual violation, um, but it was kind of detailing Arachne as this like lower class woman, woman like working and working and trying to like survive, and ultimately it didn't matter because she was like whether she was doing well or not, she like was punished for it. And uh, it's interesting, like. I don't, so is that retelling, it's the retelling of the myth of Arachne, but in terms like, because um, it's the retelling more specifically of like Ovid's Metamorphoses, which is, has like a retelling of Arachne's myth, because like Ovid's Metamorphoses just has like all these myths collected about like transformations. Okay. So, but in that retelling, Arachne was just like trying to make a living basically. Yeah, I mean, she was, like, boasting, but either way, it was kind of, like, at the end, she kind of has this, like, moment where, like, she's, like, either way, if I hadn't started, like, weaving and, like, being kind of prideful, I would have not really survived. I would have, like, died of exhaustion and, like, been stuck mm -hmm. in this kind of, like, lower class, like, like, starving kind of position. Or mm -hmm. I, like, actually start making a name for myself and ultimately, like, get punished for that, too. Or like be truthful about kind of the relationship between gods and mortals and was punished for it. Um, I think it was also like I was interested in it because like I also as like a younger child like really liked Greek myths and I especially mm -hmm. like liked uh, Athena 
because I like used to have like grayer eyes and I used to like be like oh the goddess of wisdom the <laughs> goddess of war she's so cool like she popped out of her dad's head like damn <laughs> like um but like kind of thinking about that like I think also like we think about like a lot of the time I don't know it just like brings up this also like idea of like the bystander effect too like it kind of brings it up in the retelling like all these like men gods are like taking advantage of mortal women a lot of the time but like athena is like a virgin goddess but can't like does not does not any like protect the mortal women at all so like she kind of stands by and lets them do whatever they want to do and like protects them by or like protects their like name by like turning arachne into a spider so it's like interesting to think about i mean i think we all can like learn something and like think about how we are bystanders to things and don't necessarily do all that we can yeah that's like super interesting because it does like the myth um like sets up this like conflict between two women two like both like powerful women and at least in the lens of the like ted ed video like I don't know, like, one is very clearly in the right, or, like, one mm-hmm. seems to be very clearly in the right. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Maybe one's not very clearly in the right. Yeah, it's kind of, like, because Arachne was, like, more prideful, I guess, and, um, but, like, Athena still was, like, very, like, corrupt, obviously, and, like, how, like, she portrayed the gods and that she got mad because, uh, like, Arachne, like, was better than her, and, like, and like portrayed the gods as like yeah. they really were. It's like kind of like there's bad things about both, but also like Iraqi yeah. is the one that gets punished. Like I think also like more complicated. Yeah, I do think though. Often I've heard it in like the context of like a kind of moral story, like against pride. It's like Iraqi's mm-hmm. fault for being boastful. Yeah, being and I think something interesting about that is like even though like her pride was kind of justified because she was that good at like she beat Athena like she was very good it's kind of like still has the lesson in there that like even if you are even if your skills are this good like you shouldn't be prideful about it still you should still like have humility I guess because like she still got punished at the end even though like her skills were like up to par with like Athena and the the gods Mm -hmm. well I wonder like if that is influenced in the story by the fact that she is a woman because there are so many like heroes in Greek myths, like Hercules and like Jason and stuff, that were like actually I don't know how prideful they were, but like they could have oh, been decently yeah. prideful, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, like Odysseus is prideful in the Odyssey, like he like can't stop himself from like taking credit for like tricking the Cyclops. I mean, that's like part of the reason why like he ends up like stranded on an island for like seven years or whatever but like he still ends up fine he still ends up like a hero mm-hmm. yeah and, like a lot I'm of male heroes or whatever are like prideful mm-hmm. i think it is interesting yeah. to think about how we like think about our heroes like yeah i mean odysseus like slaughtered a bunch of people at the end of the odyssey <laughs> like literally <laughs> yeah and like gods weren't coming down being like I'm going to turn you into a horse. And it's like Arachne is sort of put in this box because it's like, okay, she has to do this. I guess, like, she has to do this to survive. And now she's really good at something. But now she's too good at it. Mm -hmm. And it's, 
you know, like you can't, she has to like toe the line, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I feel like women have to do that. Like even now, like you need to be good at things in order to gain respect, but you also can't be too good or you can't be better than other people or better than too many other people because then people will just think like, I don't know, you're a know-it-all, you're egotistical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I kind of also like come on and say like, I mean, you don't obviously like, there is like a value in humility, but like there's also is a value in knowing like and having self-confidence in your like skills and like being able to like successfully um, evaluate yourself too and like know what your skills are. Like she was able to say like, I am better at Athena at this thing. Yeah. And like successfully say that, but still. Yeah. Well, also in the story, it's like you could have told the story where Athena wins the weaving contest because Athena's a goddess and then turns Arachne into a spider because Arachne was way too prideful and now she's learned her lesson because she's not actually that good at weaving after all. Mm-hmm. But instead, yeah. she wins the contest. Yeah, I think it's think- interesting how they like have like the concept like it's kind of like two lessons going on almost like that's the lesson of like don't be prideful or like you'll be punished in the end for it but then it's also like the lesson of like the gods being corrupt at the same time yeah like showing Mm -hmm. both things in one single myth yeah i think also depending on like how you tell it you emphasize different things i think also like the retelling that i read then at the end was also kind of like it was also fighting against like the also like just like victimization of her too like she was like well, I'm going to have a bunch of, like, baby spiders, and, like, we're going to be, like, always there, like, (laughs) spin our webs, like, until, like, beyond the gods or whatever, like, something along those lines, like, so there's also, like, like, depending on how you tell it and where you end it, like, in that retelling, it wasn't, like, making her out to be just, like, victimed either of, like, the gods' corruption or, like, injustice, so. Yeah, I think, like, at at the end of the TED-Ed video, they said something about, like, she like keeps on spinning like webs as like a spider. It's like in an act of like continual defiance, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I also think like the whole idea of corruption of the gods and like humanizing the gods is super interesting because it's like it's like you look up to the gods, and this is true for the like Isis story where like her brother was going to murder her. Which also I was kind of like, how do you get murdered if you're a god? or goddess I don't know but like like all this infighting or corruption in the gods and yet simultaneously you need to worship the gods you need to look up to the gods and mm-hmm. you can't like fight back against them yeah. it's the weird dynamic like yeah. how did that happen I think it's also like um there's also like kind of a difference in like religion like or like a Greek mythology kind of religion and like the religion we think about today where it's not like the same kind of like right and wrong it's more like about how you behave so you like behave kindly to strangers but it's not necessarily like I don't think it always is saying like the gods are always right or something like mm-hmm. that so which is kind of different in more modern religion yeah so I feel like oh sorry you go ahead I was just gonna say I feel like in that sense like those older religions or belief systems were much freer um, because it was a lot more about like, okay, you hear like the story of Odysseus, the myth of Arachne, and then you think about it and figure out like what it means to be a good person. Whereas now in like current day religions, it's like 
you have the Ten Commandments, like stories that outline like specifically what you should or should not do rather than like, I guess to an extent you can definitely read the Bible and then yeah, like I think there is not interpret something. Some, yeah. yeah. Like you can choose mm-hmm. how to, like, parables and stuff. Like I feel like that mirrors yeah. like the mythology a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And isn't it a thing in the Bible that like, I feel like the like strangers or like people being like beggars or hidden or whatever, and then revealing themselves. That does that happen in the Bible? In my mind, that happens to Jesus, but I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know people like, help the needy, but I'm trying to think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, people didn't like Jesus, but that wasn't necessarily because he was a beggar, mm-hmm. and he wasn't necessarily a beggar at all. People just like didn't like him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was like the Messiah, and he's gonna kind of like overturn the old, yeah, religion ways, and like and power. It was also had kind of become yeah, slightly corrupt, or at least yeah. like how it's told. Maybe I'm thinking like I feel like there's definitely stories in the Bible of like other people being like, this person the worst, and then Jesus being like, no, 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 they're great. Like, isn't there like? a well and a blind man or woman that kind of thing right i'm pretty sure that's a thing i feel like it might be i'm trying to think i know there's definitely like lots of spots where like like jesus went would eat with like the tax collectors and the sinners and then like the pharisees would like judge him and be like no i'm here to like help the sinners not i didn't come to like help the people who were already like because they were like judging him for like eating with the sinners so that's kind of similar i guess yeah yeah or having like Poor people like wash his feet mm-hmm. or whatever. Or he would, yeah, he would like wash the feet of like his disciples to like lower himself, even though he like theoretically like they should have been washing his feet. So that's interesting too. Like in general, all of these myths and the Bible are like a big theme is just like um, overturning like current big power structures or like people yeah. that you think are like really amazing or like should have like status or wealth or whatever like there's there's more than meets the eye yeah but like more among mortals or like because like divine figures are not kind of overthrown or like yeah at least like outright i mean like you could say in a way that like arachne like overthrow not really overthrows but like has some victory over athena Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. also has a victory over the gods in, like, recognizing, like, their justice. But it's mm-hmm. not really a complete overthrow. Yeah. So, the last myth that we chose to look at is a Cambodian myth. Um, it's, like, the myth that explains the origin of, like, lightning, thunder, and rain. So, there was a powerful hermit um, named Lokta, and he had three students whom he, like, really liked. Um, Moni Mekala, who was the goddess of the seas, uh, Vorachon, who was the princely manifestation of the earth, and Riamaso, who was a fire demon. Um, so Lokta was going to give a gift to the student who would win his contest. Um, and so his like contest was whoever could bring back a jar full of dew would be like the first to win. Um, and so so um, and and at dusk, um, Borachan and Riameso went out into the forest and like tried to collect 
each little piece of dew off each um, leaf and fill up their jar as fast as they could. Um, but when they brought it back to Lopta, Moni Mekala had already had a full glass of dew, of dew and was sitting there um, waiting on them. And so um, she won by leaving her shawl out overnight and then she wrung it out in the morning to get her dew. So she used like her cleverness to win. Um, but since Lopta loved all his students, he gave all three of them a gift. Um, Verachon got a magic axe and he, so he turned his dew into a magic axe. Um, it was actually a magic sword, sorry. And then uh, Rame So got a diamond axe. And then Moni Mekala got a really powerful magic crystal. But Rame So was jealous of um, Moni Mekala. And so both him and Vorton tried to, to woo Moni Mekala in order to get her crystal. But she refused and like flew up into the sky. Um, but Rame So was not okay with this. So he like go, he went to try to take it by force. Um, uh, Vorachon tried to defend Moni Mekala and he was attacked by Rame So and he was hurled into a mountain and presumed to be dead. So then um, Rame So found Moni Mekala and ordered um, for her to give him the crystal, but she refused and flew up into the sky. And so he chased her, um, ripping through the clouds with his axe. And then um, he swung his axe at her and she threw the crystal into the air and the crystal created lightning. Um, that like attacked him and blinded him and causing him to drop his axe. And in the process, the axe cut through the clouds, which created thunder. Um, when the lightning and thunder mixed, it created rain. Um, then, so Riyama So was like defeated, but uh, Moni Mekala had compassion on him and just left him alone and didn't destroy him. But whenever he regained his vision, um, he was upset again and jealous. And so he chased her. And that's why lightning and thunder continue because they're still like fighting in the sky. Um, and then drops of rain fell on Vorachon and revived him. And so he flew to find them as well. And so that's like the, um, in the Cambodian myth, that's how like lightning, thunder, and rain came about. I feel like what's really, what like struck me or what I thought was really unique about this myth was just like the amount of compassion that happens. Like mm -hmm. they have the contest at the beginning and then their teacher just, He's like, well, she won, but also you can all have something. Or like yeah. at the end, like um, she doesn't like destroy Axe Guy. She just like, she's like, don't yeah. worry about it. Mm -hmm. I also do think it's interesting though, like her compassion is like rewarded and like, or not really, like, yes, not really rewarded, but like is good. But also like it just keeps happening. So like her compassion mm -hmm. doesn't like change anything like, or teach him anything, or, like, he just keeps on chasing after the magical orb. Yeah, just, like, made him more jealous, especially, like, with him getting a gift, but then it wasn't as good as Moni Mekala's, yeah. like, made him more jealous. It's interesting, because the structure of the myth is, like, to explain how, like, thunder, rain, and lightning came about, mm -hmm. um, and, like, because of that, it makes it more difficult to pick up, like, other like lessons I guess so for example the guy axe guy who like ends up creating thunder you could say like oh you shouldn't be as rash or as angry as he is like he's making bad choices mm -hmm. but at the end he just sort of goes around and creates thunder like it doesn't nothing happens that helps you make a decision either way mm -hmm. on whether yeah. he's good or bad and I think also though like he never does get the crystal ball so it's kind of like 
his jealousy was never like rewarded by what he wanted also like I think there's like a message in there too against like violence like not just because like you don't want to side with the guy that's like hurling an axe around but also like the fact that this like magical orb that doesn't actually like cause physical harm is like um better than the axe or the knife it's like that's the top gift yeah and also that the axe like creates thunder like which is like it's not like lightning i think i mean like has like a more like striking and powerful effect like thunder though is just kind of like it's a sound it's yeah like an empty threat in a way or like you can think of it that way and i feel like it was interesting like the lightning kind of has like a more powerful connotation i guess because it's like bright and like it's like it showed like she was more powerful but then like whenever i think of thunder it like sounds angry almost so like it's kind of interesting that it was like his rage maybe like it's part of like what created it i guess so i don't know maybe like lightning has like a more powerful connotation like thunders i don't know yeah it's it's interesting because in the story i think like she remains like very like cool and calm and collected Mm -hmm. and i think like lightning is similar in that way like it's very powerful it's very bright obviously and can be very striking but it still can be sort of like refined mm-hmm. because it's not just like yeah ah. i mean it is like a single or kind of like much more contained power mm-hmm. than i don't know like i mean like you think of like a fire a fire like ravishes mm-hmm. and like just kind of like goes out of control i mean like lightning yeah. can start fires but like lightning is like in a bolt it has like a very like contained even like structure when you like see it in the sky and i think like even like the beginning of the story kind of shows that a little bit because it's like Vorchon and rame so like immediately go out when they hear about the challenge and immediately like just go through the forest and like trying to get every drop of dew but she like kind of like was cool and collected and thought like what the best way to do it was and so she like mm-hmm. like thought about it more rather than just like immediately acting i was also kind of just it, impressed that like the female like character is like this like just like outside the box like thinker like solve the puzzle yeah. and, like, just wins it like she's just mm-hmm. doing great yeah honestly and it's I don't know I feel like this story does a good job of like not necessarily like putting like I can't clearly some myths you can be like okay I see how gender roles are influencing this myth or like I can see how like this person is acting this way because of like previously prescribed notions. But I feel like in this one, there's so much like diversity of character. Like she's doing great. She's doing like the do. The teacher is like a guy and he's very like wise and helpful. And then you have like the rage ax dude who is just like too much. Yeah. But then you have another guy who just like seems nice and gets mm-hmm. a sword. I'm not really yeah, sure. Like, like he doesn't do anything harmful. Yeah. Yeah. He's just when there. They- yeah, one thing that's interesting about him is, like, he's also actually, like, kind of jealous of a crystal because it says that she, he, like, also is trying to woo her before they, like, start attacking. So I found that kind of interesting. But then, like, once Rame So starts attacking, like, Warchon is like, no, this is not right. So maybe, like, it was yeah. okay to try to, like, manipulate her into giving up the crystal ball by, like, wooing her, but attacking her yeah. is not okay. And it's, like, interesting how, like, he seems, like, super righteous, but then there is this part where he's, like, also being jealous and like trying to yeah. get the crystal ball he just like draws the line at a point while Rami so doesn't 
Yeah, I think that goes back to like what we were talking about earlier with just like people aren't all good or all bad. They mm-hmm. can have a mixture of both, which is what makes it complicated. Mm-hmm. And like they're human in the way also like, I mean, we ascribe all these like human characteristics to gods, but also like to have, um, I don't remember their names, <laughs> but like the two guys that just like went in, like we're trying to woo her, like as like foils to each other. So there is like, I think it's also kind of like there are like alternate paths. There is a decision in like how you act jealousy. Yeah, because they do seem like very parallel. Like they both go like try to speedily collect the dew. They're both yeah. jealous of her. They both try to woo her, but then they there's like a fork, like a split yeah. which represents like, like you do have two choices. Mm-hmm. And then you can see how the consequences of both play out. Yeah. Not really great for either. Honestly, the righteous like, one gets, can... like, gets killed. He yeah, almost gets died. Survived he gets survived. Sure. That's true. And the axe guy is just condemned to forever angrily be running around the sky. Honestly, also, none of it sounds great to the end. Yeah, true. <laughs> like, why could he not come and be like, okay, guys, calm down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like interesting to see the similarities of like all three of them have like this like god figure who's like corrupted kind mm-hmm. of like the first one has the like person who's the brothers trying to murder Isis and the second one has like Athena all the other gods being corrupt and then this one has like Riamiso like trying to attack the other goddess. Yeah. It is it's very like I I think it represents like human dilemmas and there's not always a clear right thing to do a lot of times mm-hmm. it's way more complicated than that yeah and I think it's also interesting that they chose to like reflect these human characteristics upon like gods who are like definitely like not human but they still have that like element of being human I guess in order to like teach humans a lesson I guess yeah I mean I think it's hard to like tell like because like who are like I don't know who is necessarily like it's honestly like one person makes the choice of course like but like um to like create that myth because it's like passed down through generations and like orally told um a lot of the time um and also like it's like harder also to kind of tease out a like moral some of the sometimes because like mm-hmm. it again like kind of changes depending on who's telling the story and you can sympathize with like multiple characters in the story which I think is also like a part of it. Like, for example, in the Athena and Arachne story, I feel like there are parts of me that are like, yes, Arachne, I identify with her, but there's also parts of me that identify with Athena. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I'm the type of person who's not, to me, Arachne is kind of like, she's like edgy, you know? She's out there. She's calling the she's gods out on what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, I don't, I, like, I am not at all, like, I am, in terms of, like, for example, what they weave, I would probably be much more likely to, like, weave what Athena weaves, because I, I'm not someone who's going to, like, disrupt, like, structures that are already in place, or, like, expectations, but at the same time, I can see what Arachne is doing is, like, good, and I support it, yeah, minus the pride thing, that was a little rough, but even that, I mean, like, I kind of, like, sympathize in the way like I think there is like again like 
you can are you allowed to have like I think we ultimately like see pride always as like this negative thing but I think there is like a healthy amount of pride just like there's like a healthy amount of like everything like you want to be confident but you don't want to be overconfident you want to be like proud of yourself and proud of what you're doing but not like over prideful like I think also like it's interesting to talk like think about like why we're drawing to these myths sorry like because we we know that like not like one person like made the decision to like have like this god do this or whatever like like there's not like necessarily one author but like why do we like think about these myths or like go back to these myths all the time I mean a lot of like these myths are like old why are we still Mm -hmm. telling them today like what attracts us to them and it's really interesting how like all the three of these myths were from like different places in the world but they all kind of have like common themes or like a common like kind of feel to them and it's interesting because like these myths probably had like many authors and many people telling it and it's kind of interesting how like even though they were in different places you can still see similarities popping up between the myths and I think like what we've talked about what's so striking is that all of the characters in the myths or a lot of them have like very clear flaws mm-hmm. and so it's kind of cool to think about whoever was crafting these like knew that humans were flawed we like we've always known that humans are flawed in some ways yeah. and part of the purpose of the myth is to like highlight those flaws in order not necessarily to correct them but like make people think about them mm-hmm. and I don't know reflect on their own flaws and if I identify yeah. with like being irrationally angry <laughs> or like too prideful or like judging people by how they look on the outside which I'm sure like we can all relate to some of those and like a lot of the times like the gods kind of become caricatures of their like fault or of like their characteristics or whatever I mean like you think about like epithets or whatever like people are like these gods become like symbols for like or you can read them that way and Mm -hmm. so that is like like even the high people have these things and these problems we can learn from them I also think it's interesting and this is maybe just to like broader myths or like broader stories um about like those time periods but okay so to me I read these myths and I'm like okay the gods are very human like like they have very human characteristics basically human (laughs) and we're using these myths to explain like natural phenomena like spiders and um lightning and thunder and it's interesting that at least during that, those like cultural periods, maybe that's because people needed like to be able to explain things through the lens of like humans being in control. Yeah. Like humans are the reason or like this like very human like structure of like belief is the reason that like spiders exist or the reason that we yeah. have thunder and lightning. Like these gods that are just like you and me. Yeah, and I think it's also like um, people tend to be uncomfortable with things that they don't know. Um, and like, I think like myths and religion, a lot of the time try to address that, or like at least give a sense that there is a reason for things. Like, even if you can't like understand it and you don't know it, there will, like, there is a reason, or there is like an answer to this unknown. I mean, like a huge one is like, where do we go when we die? Like, like people are uncomfortable, like fundamentally uncomfortable with that unknown a lot of the time. And so, like, these myths give some sort of, like, comfort 
to people. Like, whether you, like, full-heartedly believe them or not. But I do think, like, there's a clear distinction between a lot of, or actually, that's a lie. Maybe, because I really only know that, like, like, about Christianity. I don't know about, like, Hinduism, because I know they're, like, um, polytheistic, or, like, Buddhism. But, like, in terms of Christianity, like, to me, it's much more intuitive. And maybe this is because I, like, went to church. But it's, like, intuitive that they're like omniscient omnipotent god created stuff versus like there was athena got mad and athena this person this god with very human characteristics is like the reason for parts of creation yeah it's just like there's humans aren't that cool (laughs) i don't know like could we do it but i guess she is technically she's a goddess she just acts like a human like a human i mean like even also she's not on the like mission she's like still is not all powerful i mean she's more powerful um but like she can control the fact that like arachne is better at weaving than her yeah i mean like even she's uncomfortable with like not being the best or like in control all the time yeah okay guys do we want to start wrapping up and ask our two weekly questions yeah let's do it okay so the first one is what's something that you learned this week or have been thinking about i can go first okay so this was last night i learned all about proteins which are so fun (laughs) and like i've known like i know basic stuff before or whatever but i think like every time i learn about proteins i just think about how cool like the fact that we are here like is like proteins are like wild and dna like the fact like all this stuff that has to like go perfectly for like an organism to exist is like crazy because there's so many ways like that it can go wrong and that we would not exist mm-hmm. so i think like That's every like- time i just like think about it i'm like damn like we are here right now that is crazy <laughs> like we got like all these tiny little processes going on in our cells right now and like don't even have to think about it like it just happens yeah that's what i've been thinking about that's kind of funny because literally mine is like a very similar thing to what you just said <laughs> because i like i haven't taken a biology class since like ninth grade and it's like i'm taking it again and i was just like learning about like dna and how like dna replication occurs and so i was like kind of wondering like, I knew about DNA and, like, replication stuff, but I never really, like, thought about, like, like, I never knew why, like, cells were specialized, because, like, if it all has the same DNA, it's, they'd all be the same cell, but then I learned in biology that they're, like, proteins and enzymes that detect things around the environment, and then that, and those are always there, and then, like, those proteins turn on the right DNA things, which I thought was, like, so cool, and also I was just gonna talk about, like, the same, basically the same thing you said about how, like, it's so crazy that, like, all this like all these processes are like going on in like each tiny tiny cell in our body and like everyone else's body too it's like biology is kind of crazy yeah (laughs) gene expression is crazy too like there are studies that i found like that um like generations later like descendants from like the irish potato famine like those descendants tend to have diabetes more often because they like eat more because like years ago they're like ancestors like had a lack of food like it's like crazy what we like actually like how our experiences affect like our actual bodies and like genes and like our descendants even yeah i've heard like 
like similar and like because especially in New York, you too much is becoming a large issue um like studies have been done showing like sometimes you like genetically like want to eat more or like like need yeah. i'm using air quotes need to eat more because it's in your dna where like now you don't need to eat more because we have like food that yeah. is jam-packed with nutrients and you and you can eat just like an apple and you'll be good instead of like a box of oreos but it's just like your genetic history that's influencing that and obviously there are other things influencing the oreos too like they're yummy yeah <laughs> they're full of sugar which we like mm-hmm. but it's it's interesting biology is so cool truly um something i recently learned was also in my biology class <laughs> <laughs> although this one am i i'm taking nutritional science so it's just like about like how we process nutrients in the body and so we learned about the first nutritional study that's ever done it was on sailors um because back in the olden days like old olden days sailors would get scurvy a lot of the time uh scurvy is caused by a lack of vitamin c because um they just didn't when they were on their sailboats they didn't have lots of food and they definitely didn't have vitamin c so they get scurvy so the first nutritional study ever done was by this dude whose last name is Lind, I believe. And basically he took 12 sailors who had scurvy and they continued eating their sailor diet, but then he introduced um, like six different things. He broke them up into groups of two. And because he thought that scurvy was caused by lack of acid, which he like wasn't completely wrong. It's caused by lack of ascorbic acid. But for example, he like gave one group vinegar, which did not help the situation. Um, But he gave one group like lemons and limes or oranges or something. And then like they recovered, which was the first nutritional study ever done, but also bad because lots of sailors in the other groups died slash remained very sick because they weren't getting vitamin C. Yeah. So that study could never be replicated now, but it's interesting. So then our next question is, what like has been your favorite song of the week? Um, I can go. So this song, I'm also in a music class. Um, and on the first day, my music professor just like screen shared with us and then just because we're doing online classes um, and just played like six or seven songs that he liked. <laughs> and one <laughs> of them is Raising Hell by Kesha. Um, and that's a song that I liked in the past and then forgot about. And then when my music teacher started playing it, I was like, oh my gosh, what a bop. I love how he also loves the song and has been listening to it recently. So yeah, I recommend. Um, my song, or like one of the songs I was thinking about was another Billie Eilish song, but I did Billie Eilish last week, so I'll pick a different one. Um, the song called This Life by Vampire Weekend. And I didn't like it like the first like two times I heard it, but now I'm into it, so. So my song is not a Disney song this week, but it is from a musical, so it's basically the same. <laughs> but it's, uh, I've been listening to like the Mamma Mia soundtrack. I uh, love it. Specifically Dancing Queen. I've been like jamming out to right. Dancing Queen. Such a good song for dancing. Yeah. <laughs> when I turned 17, that was my jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you guys see the, like, Hamilton thing that they did online? What? Guys? No. What Hamilton thing? Okay, so basically, 
John Krasinski from The Office is doing this online show called Some Good News, I think is what it's called, because everyone's so sad about the coronavirus. And so on it, they like somehow found this like little girl who really wanted to go see Hamilton and they had tickets, but then they couldn't go because of coronavirus. And so the Hamilton cast got together and like Zoomed, although I'm pretty sure they recorded separately and put it all together because with lag, there's no way it would have happened. Yeah, um, right. And like they all, like all the original cast members sang the first, the like opening song. So and then they put it all together and then they like showed it to her live and then the Hamilton cast members like Zoomed her. But it was oh, very cute. That's so cute. That is so cute. That's such a nice idea too, like just like something good. Mm-hmm. I got yeah. to like talk about happy things. Mm-hmm. And he like does the show from his house, which probably because he has to. I don't know. It's just like, I feel like it's nice because you identify with it a lot and it feels a lot more like personal, I guess. Yeah. So I think we're about to wrap it up. Um, so. Well, thanks for listening into our podcast. And I guess when it comes to discussing mythology, you can say that we've been there, done that. So we'll see you next week and bye.